0: sure all right this is the bloody podcast i'm laurie Camp, and we have maria felix and as per usual our resident guest cash abdimalik hello hi <laughs> <laughs>
1: they're like him again
0: Ugh. well who's uh, cash who sounds more and more like this definitely is he's definitely being forced <laughs> it's not it's not the
1: case I'm, I'm actually very happy to be here.
0: I uh, always am. No, I know. You wouldn't do it if you didn't if you didn't want to, unless you're being made to. I don't You know what I don't know. I do. Let's even, not question it. Yeah. yeah, let's, yeah. let's not She's look here. It. Let's <laughs> yeah, Let's not dive too deep into to this
2: web. Yeah, we're not detectives about this. So <laughs>
1: It's funny we were just talking about whether or not we would be good detectives because we've been watching Law and Order as usual. So I don't know why I brought that up, but
2: yeah, I think I would be a pretty good detective after training. I think at first I'd be pretty uh, gullible. Yeah.
1: I was also saying that I think Maria would be a better lawyer than a detective.
2: That's because I'm really good at arguing.
0: I think I think I would be a horrible detective.
1: Oh, no, you're, you're a criminal in this scenario.
0: I think I would be I, – I the problem is I don't think I would be a good police officer because I think I – just my anger, I think I would get too angry if somebody, like, was being bit pissy with me, and then I would just tase them for no reason. And then well, just, then, like, according
2: would, to the LAPD, you would be a great police officer. Yeah,
0: you're
1: a number one cop.
0: Well, that's why I don't think I would be a good cop because, yeah. So – there have been many times in my life where I've been like, man, I wish I had a taser. Yeah. Well, so. Yeah.
1: To be fair, a good cop is, is an oxymoron, so. Uh, <laughs> um, I
0: disagree. I disagree, too. But I will say that it's uh, it's becoming more and more likely that... It's like a good priest, you know. We know that there are probably some out there, but uh, <laughs>
2: okay, that's your—that's
0: fair. I think
2: this is a really
0: good comparison. It's true. Yeah, we know that there are probably some out there, but uh, they're definitely not standing up against the other priests. So. I can agree. I can agree with that. I can yeah. agree with
1: that. Yeah. Which, in turn, if they're not standing up against the other priests or the other cops, in turn, makes them bad priests and bad cops, in my opinion.
0: Yeah it's so. uh it's at this point now where there's bad cops and there's compliant
2: cops, yeah,
0: same thing, yeah. so cops and priests, welcome to cop talk.
2: Well <laughs> yeah. that's enough about our our. Well, we abuse. just lost
0: we just lost half of our audience. Um, <laughs> all those cops are just like, I'm tuning
2: out. Yeah, <laughs> forget this. <laughs> let's talk about abortion, guys. Uh, let's do it. Let's okay. get into it. In nineteen ninety, Maureen McDermott, a former nurse, was sentenced to death for ordering the killing of her roommate, Stephen Eldridge. I totally thought not you were about going, not into about abortion. Abortion story. No. <laughs> no. I totally thought you were like,
0: "Let's do it." Nineteen ninety,
2: abortion. you are like,
1: "What?" That would have been sick if you had it like revved up.
2: Yeah. No, I don't have an abortion story. I don't know what's the matter with you guys. just
0: locked and loaded I have this I have a well of abortion stories (laughs) Uh, so I'm sorry could you repeat that I wasn't paying attention because I was thinking is this abortion
2: no because the rest of the audience is paying attention okay
0: all right fine
2: (laughs) you're just gonna have to wait until we get to the actual crime now
0: all right okay to,
2: to to understand what's going on sure (laughs) <laughs> Marine mickey mcdermott grew up in new jersey in a relatively normal family with three other siblings and her father and mother her father was said to be an alcoholic and slightly emotionally abusive just slightly though.
0: slightly <laughs> ever so slightly
2: well you know just like the average drunk slightly
0: it was a lot of backhanded compliments
2: <laughs> probably right yeah you're wearing that you're wearing that out yeah okay you don't look as fat in it.
0: Yeah. Like, my dad, my dad growing up, he would be like, uh, I think I'm a pretty, I think I can compliment you a lot. And I'd be, what, like, a couple of months ago, he was like that. He was like, don't, this is now the new voice I'm doing for my dad. Um, <laughs> don't you think that, like, I, I used to give you a lot of compliments? And I'd be like, dad, your, like, main compliment when I was a kid was that I need to fem up a bit. <laughs> ah. you're like wow you need to femme up put on put on some makeup then you'll be attractive and then we would have this continuous argument which is why do you want me to be attractive what why are you trying to get why are you trying to be attracted to me because he's trying
2: to no he's trying to pawn you off as quickly as possible
0: yeah yeah he did have a
2: dowry from a from a rich man so he did have 16 cows waiting in the backyard yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: all while growing up my father was always like You have to have courage, son. You gotta be
2: tough. You gotta get out there and see the people.
1: (laughs) We were all raised by uh, Hanna-Barbera cartoons, apparently. Oh, I...
2: (laughs) Yeah, my dad is snagglepuss. It's not Cowardly Lion.
0: No, that's that's also Snagglepuss.
2: Oh, I thought it was the Cowardly Lion. It's both. Well, because that's what the Cowardly Lion would say. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to be tough. (laughs) (laughs) Mickey attended Catholic schools and left high school before graduating and moved to California in 1968. Welcome she, to California. Yeah, man, the 60s. <laughs> California
0: she, in the 60s must have been really fun.
2: Yeah, yeah. Sure. It's rad.
0: I mean, of course, this is as per usual with all caveats. It's if you were a rich white person.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was a pretty progressive time. Yeah. So middle-class white person.
0: Um, (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Middle-class to rich. Yeah. It
2: must have been fun, though. She worked full-time while attending first adult night school for her high school diploma, then school to become a respiratory therapist. She worked at St. Joseph's Medical Center in Burbank, California for seven years in that capacity and then, when she received her license as a registered nurse in 1979, she was employed at LA County USC Medical Center. For mm-hmm. our out, out of state listeners, USC is a uh, University of Southern California medical center,
0: or a University of Spoiled Children.
2: Yes, yes, that it's <laughs> mostly that. Uh-huh. Um, at Ward 3000 for infected orthopedics, Maureen was said to be a kind nurse, compassionate with excellent bedside manner, and a, quote, soft touch. Ooh. (laughs) Everyone knew she loved animals, and she often took in strays and took care of them. Maureen had absolutely no semblance of a criminal record, and in fact would be considered a model nurse and friend by many. One of these close friends was Jimmy Luna, who worked as an orderly in the same ward as Maureen. Jimmy Luna was born in Los Angeles on May 7th, 1953 to two heroin addicts who abandoned him in infancy. Wow. He was taken in by relatives and was abused emotionally, physically, and sexually throughout his life. Jeez. Over time, his behavior escalated from minor drug offenses to major crimes. He had a lot of arrests, suicide attempts, drug overdoses, and for some reason, mentioned a number of venereal diseases. <laughs> Just so you guys know, he incurred a lot of STDs in his time.
1: <laughs> I honestly, I, I can, I know for a fact that ah, we both smiled a little bit over here <laughs> once you said that, and I heard Lori, I heard Lori chuckle. So I was like, all right.
0: I, <laughs> I'm doing a project. I'm doing this writing project about this person in during Prohibition. And let's just say that the main the main attribute given to her is that she was riddled with syphilis.
2: <laughs> like, that was his too. They added in there like including secondary syphilis. Now, yeah. like,
0: what's secondary syphilis? They just they just have some.
1: It's the, it's, uh, the kind you buy in a secondhand store.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's dirty. Sex. It's like it, it's like if it's like secondhand smoke. You were just in the vicinity of somebody who had syphilis. Yeah, you were you, in the area of syphilis. Yeah, and then you <laughs> caught you caught syphilis. Guys, once again, we are not medical professionals. Do not take. Do baby, not take I a,
1: baby, I didn't fuck around. I didn't get syphilis. I was near people
0: who had syphilis. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was do walking think- down an alley, and this guy with syphilis coughed on me. Yeah. Do you think
2: that when you get secondary syphilis, you just suddenly grab your crotch? You're like, ouch. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> grab <laughs> your
2: crotch. Whoa! There I, it just... is. <laughs> I know exactly what that is. It's secondary syphilis. I
0: got secondary syphilis. I do that all the time. Anytime somebody coughs, I just scream, secondary syphilis, and run out of the room.
2: Holding the crotch. <laughs> it's much worse than COVID. Oh,
0: oh, yeah. Oh, man. I just I love that. There's just something I don't know why, but there's just some kind of weird jackass kind of, like impulse in me that just laughs when people say, and they had a lot of STDs I'm just like look, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know why,
2: yeah, I don't know why either it's just and and I think that we're not the only ones because they always include it
0: they do they will not they it's like they can't help themselves,
2: yeah, they can't <laughs>
1: <laughs> they were a good person at heart and they did their best. They also had crazy syphilis.
2: Yes. <laughs>
0: too, too mud too many STDs. It's yeah. like how is that enough? what how's that a quantitative amount?
2: <laughs> well, anyway. <laughs> despite his STDs, <laughs> he was hired to work as an orderly at the LA County Hospital through an affirmative action program.
0: Oh wait, is this the victim? No. Okay. Okay, good. <laughs>
2: <No>. All
0: right. <laughs> okay, good. I was worried for a second that we were making fun of it. I was like, oh, not again. <laughs> not, n- not again. Usually, Maria's pretty good at that. We'll be
1: like, oh, this person's a freaking retard. <laughs> and she'll be like, there's the victim. Well, last like, episode,
0: oh. I don't know if you listened to last episode, Cash, but I was listening, and for me, per, for me, I was listening to me, and I was like, man, like, was I angry that day? Like, I was just like, <laughs> I was going hard on the victim. Like, I was like, did I not eat enough? <laughs> The last one was,
1: yeah, I remember you and I were both like, oh, this person's dumb.
0: <laughs> I think, I that's, think, just,
1: I think I, that's just our mode, and that's fine. Yeah. We we'll just say everybody's dumb, and then we
0: find out when they're the victim, we'll say. Sorry. Well, I mean, they're I, not that dumb. I think, no, see, the problem was is I think you were fine. I think you were doing the thing where you were like, I don't know if this is how I should be saying this, but I feel like maybe this way, and Maria would be like, No, you shouldn't say that. And then I would go, Yeah, and (laughs) I I would just be like as soon as she was like, Oh man, this is this is awkward.
2: (laughs) Although Jimmy started out as a great employee at the facility, over the years his performance deteriorated. Oh my God. I am sorry. <laughs> sorry, he just dropped sorry. something.
0: Okay. Uh oh, secondary syphilis. <laughs> I got it.
2: <laughs> he started exhibiting erratic behavior, violence towards patients and coworkers, and wasted a huge amount of time making phone calls. Now, remember, this was back before cell phones, so he was making those calls on like the hospital phones. To whom? You- I'll get to it. Okay, <laughs> I think, was tr- I think he was
1: probably
0: trying to track down who got him the syphilis in the first place.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Did you? No. Okay. Da- <laughs> the Rotary phone. <laughs> Did you? <laughs>
2: he would help drug addicted patients sneak in drugs to the hospital. Mm. On another occasion, a nurse quit her job because of fear of Luna assaulting her after oh. he had slashed her tires twice already. Jesus. So two separate incidents. And threatened to kill her after he she had written him up for being late for work. See, I was talking to
0: Diana Hong, a comedian who's been on this show before, about this I was like, when I when I went to high school, I took a criminology class, and the teacher in the high, in, in the class said that there was a policy with workplace sexual harassment at the time, and essentially it boiled down to the first one's free. So it would be like right, right. It would be like let's say on, and an example I gave, which is an example that she gave, was like let's say I told a joke. And it was racially insensitive or sexually insensitive or what, you know, something, or basically just any joke that I usually tell. And um, you and you and cash were like, Hey Lori, that joke was offensive. If you cannot tell that joke in front of me or the similar jokes, I'd appreciate it. I would say, yeah, sure. I'm so sorry. And move on. Or I would do it again. And then you would go to HR and you'd be like, I've already asked her once. She's now doing it again. And then I would get in trouble and I think the reason why we've moved on from that hasn't been because people have been, uh, you know, too obliging. It's because people on my side would be like, fuck you. I'll tell whatever fucking joke I want. And if you tell, if you report on me, I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> it's like, well, what the hell are you supposed to do now? So it's like, she can't do anything. She's, she reported him and he just, all he does is threaten to kill her. It's like, what's she going to do? You know, it's just Jesus Christ.
1: Lori. What the hell are you talking about? (laughs) Maria and I are both over here looking at each other like,
2: what? So are you on his side? (laughs) Are you on his side for getting uh, written up?
0: (laughs) No, I'm saying that. (laughs)
2: Uh. (laughs) You're taking us on a journey, girl. (laughs) We know i get it i get it no
1: we're kidding we
0: get it we get it we're uh, i'm just, saying that a white person can't tell a simple joke anymore without getting no uh no what i'm saying is nowadays it's like you tell a joke or you do something offensive and it's like you should have known better which is true you should known better but i think it's like one of those things where i bet you the hospital did nothing to protect this woman to like no, stop him from doing
2: this obviously not because she quit um yeah after and that's like horrible Okay, <laughs> That's where I stand on that Just in case you guys were wondering You're doing great
0: You can edit this part out I've actually had a little bit of wine so A little? A
2: little <laughs> he, uh, Jimmy who was by the way Not a white person He was Hispanic Jimmy even went so far as to prank phone call The woman using fake voices To frighten her Jesus Um, co-workers often complained that he was a compulsive phone caller as mentioned who used different voices his favorite being a voice called rita what do you think rita sounded like
1: i don't know um
2: hello well he's hispanic so i think it's like hola hola (laughs) i am rita Gas. I, 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 would,
1: <laughs> I would love it if he was like really good at celebrity voices. and He started calling as those celebrities. Yes, but it'd have to be in the yeah. '60s. So, I mean, I don't know Robert Stack. No Is
2: it Al Pacino. No, because he's still doing. It's he's, still no. young. It's still young you Al.
1: Said he's Pacino all quiet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it'd be great if he just called as like old Grizzly Al Pacino.
2: Yeah. <laughs> what was her name? Salome.
1: No, the woman that he was harassing. Oh, Linda! Linda, Linda, it's me. I'm right
2: outside, <laughs> and I'm about to come
1: inside and give you a kiss. You don't want to kiss me, but I'm gonna kiss you, Linda. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I think I think Rita sounded exactly like what he thinks the imitation of Rosie Perez is. I <clears> think <throat> <laughs> that's what he, she sounded like.
2: <laughs> oh, that's really good. <laughs>
0: Um, it took me that long to find the name Rosie Perez. <laughs> I couldn't remember what her name was, and I had to IMDb search through witty Harrelson to find White Men Can't Jump, to then find Rosie Perez. <laughs> nice. While working, I'm going to at... on mute, guys. <laughs> I feel like I need I need a timeout. I'm giving myself a timeout. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> While working at the ward. Jimmy was arrested four times, including charges for assault with a deadly weapon. Despite all this dangerous behavior, the affirmative action program and his union status made it difficult to fire him. And he wasn't let go until 1985, the year of the crime. And it wasn't even for that. (laughs) <laughs> it was for abusive behavior towards patients and the discovery that he had lied on his original employment application regarding a criminal record oh I don't, that was it yeah that was the thing Cause not the because they could be th- open to a lawsuit so that was it yes not that he th- threatened to kill the nurses and probably beat no. the patients
1: yeah, it was really mean to the patients. That's God and then
2: it's terrible. And and orderly is always is always around. It just like Ugh I just hate to think of the abuse that he inflicted upon elders while he was there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I just remember I worked, so bad. I, for... <laughs> Sorry.
1: I remember I worked in a hospital really uh for like six months mm-hmm. and was really nice to everybody there, like all the patients especially, and they were always like Thank you for being so nice, and I was like, are, or "Is anybody being really mean to you?" Or and All no, the nobody's time. hitting you or anything. And they're like, "Nobody hits us, but people are people are shitty as fuck. You they know? treat them
2: like they treat they treat the elderly like like dogs in kennels. It's horrible. It's terrible.
0: Yeah. Well, they're just super impatient. I had this a similar thing happen when I was an aide at a special uh, special education class. Where the kids are like, you're so nice to us. And it, and I would watch other aides and the teachers, and they're just super impatient. They're just yeah. like. Yeah, they get so jaded. Yeah, they're just like, get over here. I said, get over here. And it's like,
2: give them a second. Jesus. Yes. Like, take it easy. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's. That's a whole other. That's a whole other conversation we could have. Ugh, Not ratings. everybody
0: can be as even keel and patient as I am. Yeah.
2: Very much so. <laughs> Except when it's a coworker trying to write you up for being fucking late. <laughs> <laughs> fucking killer.
1: I wanted to say earlier, I had a coworker that was a friend of mine that was my manager at a, a at a restaurant and I came in late, like the second day in a row, and he was just like, You're late, dude, I gotta write you up and I was like, dude, don't be a fucking dick. <laughs> And he was oh, like, he was like, no, no. he was like, now I'm definitely writing you up. Yeah. And I was like, well, now we're not fucking friends anymore. And he was a real asshole about it. And honestly, looking back, I could have been a little bit nicer. But then I uh, I wrote him off.
2: <laughs> I was 19, fuck it, man. Yeah, you were 19. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I've, I have a bad habit of being late. Mm-hmm. So for my entire life, I've never gotten mad at somebody for being mad at me for being late. Because I used to be late for work all the time, too, like when I was younger, like 19. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you're late. You got to write you up. And be like, yeah, okay. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I deserve uh-huh.
0: it. <laughs> I had another I've, job, yeah. and he knew about it. Fuck you, Ralph.
2: <laughs> I didn't have that excuse. <laughs> oh, I was going to say
0: that your friend was Judd Apatow. And it's like, you should have really held on to that. Yeah, um, right, yeah. I I was the same way as Maria. Although I would get like... When I would get like written up, written up, I would be, cause my whole thing was like, I'll arrive late, but I'll stay after like way later, you know, like I would stay like an hour after to help out. So sure, I was always man. like, I made up for being late. But then I, we, ha- we got a new boss and the new boss was like, you absolutely have to stay on, get on time. So then I would be like, all right, I'll arrive on time, but I'm leaving right at, at this exact time that I'm supposed to be leaving. Where does, so, you know, I yeah, would be fuck quick- it really pissy about it and be like, I'm leaving now. And he'd be like, okay. And I'm sure he thought like, why is she being, why is she letting me know that she's, he just said, no, I mean, him had a, had a whole feud that he knew nothing about. He sucks. Yeah. He was fired for, uh, sexually harassing uh, several employees at at work
2: oh what good is it to be on time if you're just gonna be putting your pee pee everywhere yeah Yeah.
0: i tell you what why don't you be on time and put your
1: ass in my face
0: (laughs) well the funniest part was he brought in cake i think it was like close to christmas i think that's why he was doing he brought in cake and he left it on his desk and he just they like called him in there like we're gonna ask you to leave right now and he left, and the cake was still on his desk. So I remember sending out a mass message, going, "So is the cake up for grabs?"
2: <laughs> that is, I hundred percent the most important thing in an office. If it's, yes. pre- if it's present, it doesn't matter. There could have been a murder yeah. in the kitchen, but if the yes. cake is fine, the cake needs to be distributed immediately. Hey, did you guys yes. hear that?
1: You guys hear about Roy? He in accounting. Yeah, apparently, he's a pedophile. It's crazy. No, yeah,
2: just cake in the kitchen. Oh yeah! Oh well, shit! Sorry.
1: Let's go! Uh, yay, Roy! Red Velvet. <laughs> <laughs> Eating the cake, we're like, to Roy. We hardly knew him. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> co-workers said that Maureen had a thing for the underdog and was always willing to help Jimmy out. He had often borrowed money from other co-workers from other workers that he never paid back, but nevertheless. Maureen often gave him money she never expected him to repay. But the relationship between Mickey and Jimmy was not so innocent. In 1983, Jimmy alleges that Mickey asked Jimmy for a favor. You see, a fellow nurse by the name of Dwayne Bell worked at the hospital, but was also a caretaker for an elderly and affluent man named Lee Laporte. Two other caretakers, John Phillips and Philip LaChance, also had shifts taking care of LaPorte. In April, LaChance was arrested for a DUI and Maureen took over his responsibilities with LaPorte. She decided that she wanted to keep the position and take over it full-time. According to Jimmy, she then paid him to go beat up Dwayne Bell, one of the other caretakers. Jimmy attacked Dwayne in his home, slashing at his face and throat whoa him and two other assailants he was with ran off when Dwayne began to scream which I don't know why he didn't scream in the first place but you never know what happened it was probably caught out of surprise yeah I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the let's third not blame really the Saturday. victim Maria <laughs> Dwayne later returned to his position with the Laports. so Maureen had Jimmy call the Laports. Uh, and used voices to make threatening remarks towards Dwayne whenever Betty Laporte answered the phone, until Dwayne lost his position.
1: Oh. Hey, this is Dwayne. <laughs> You're a horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> horrible.
0: You're like anybody else. <laughs> you know what's, You know what's weird about that voice is I. You could say like the most horrible thing and i would still be like (laughs) that's funny like that voice just yeah no there's no like it's like a baby it's like a like when you talk to a baby and they just smile like you're just like (laughs) that voice sounds nice it is a shame
2: (laughs) what's so off-putting about it is that they're calling for Dwayne, and so they're threatening him to betty over the phone which reminds me of how there's a bunch of people that call my phone and ask for jerome all the time and they they get really upset (laughs) when i'm like i'm sorry you have the wrong number they're like you mean jerome's not there i'm like no i I don't know who jerome is like what do you mean this is number i'm like i don't there is no jerome there is no jerome
0: i literally i i can't (laughs) tell you how many times when i first got my phone i can't tell you how many times i had people calling me and being like is lucy there i'd be like there's no lucy here and they'd be like well this is her number no it's not it's my number no, I know it's her number. Where's Lucy? Put her on the phone. And I'd say, okay. And then I'd just put him on the passenger seat and just leave him there. I'd be like, there's no Lucy here, you douchebag.
1: <laughs> I had a phone uh, back in uh, the aughts, uh, one of my uh, first cell phones, but it was transferred over from a different number. So when they call, they'd be like, hey, is Tim there? And once in a while, I'd be like, yeah, this is Tim. <laughs> <laughs> They're like... Hey, what's up, man? I'm like, oh, you know, fucking hanging out. What's going on? I'm like Tim? I'm like, yeah. Uh, like, this isn't Tim. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's Tim.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would know if I was Tim.
2: Okay. Yeah, I did.
1: Um, I'm very much Tim.
2: What's your name, Cash? Oh, I mean oh, Tim. T- I mean ca- Cash. Tim. Bill. Bill. So that was Sorry. 1983.
0: Sorry, I have a lot of syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't so that, know what my name is.
2: Okay, <laughs>
0: sorry, I had to shoehorn that in. All no, right. you did it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Jumping back one year in 1982, Maureen rented then purchased a house in Van Nuys, California. Soon after, she met Stephen Elridge at a gay bar in the neighborhood. They became good friends pretty quickly. In the um in the in the doc about it, did you get a chance to watch it, Lori? No, I didn't. Sorry, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> to talk about it, they make uh, Van Nuys seem super glamorous. And just so everybody knows, Van Nuys is like a like a suburb town, not suburb, but like suburb slash industrial town here in LA County. And uh, in the documentary, they're like a marine. Loved to be in the nightlife. She was a part of the hip and glamorous Van Nuys gay scene.
0: I know. They called it affluent.
2: Affluent, <laughs> affluent Van Nuys gay scene. Yeah, it's just
0: because one guy wore an ascot. That's the only reason why. Everybody just ran out of their apartments afterwards, just being like, "Yes, this yeah. is it?
2: We're yeah. and the center. Center. And this is the '80s, no less. Like, I don't know. But I can't, I can't assume it was any better than it is now in Van Nuys. No, nice. no. No.
1: All beige, all sunburnt, all the time.
2: <laughs> Hasn't changed at all. Stephen was an independent landscaper in his 20s and was looking to move. Coincidentally, Maureen and another nurse, Martha Espinoza, had been planning to go to work in Saudi Arabia as traveling nurses. Hmm. At the time, uh-huh. yeah. At the time, a nurse could make good money working in Saudi Arabia for a year or two. Yeah, I'm sure they were,
0: quote-unquote, nurses. (laughs) Are you (laughs) saying that they went
1: to go join
2: harems?
0: (laughs) I'm just saying that they were, quote-unquote, nurses in Saudi Arabia.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Maureen told Stephen about her plan and asked Stephen if he was interested in renting the house while she was away, and to look after her pets. After some deliberation, Stephen suggested that instead he buy into the property. He also suggested that they both take out an insurance policy in case something happened to Maureen while she was in Saudi Arabia. Now, at this point, it's like, that's fishy. That's weird. But it's... It was in this particular case, at least as far as we know, just a normal transaction that Stephen was just looking out for his own monies, I guess.
1: It's still pretty weird on his end to be like, all right, let's let's do this. But you get you had a fucking
2: life policy. They both did. They both suggested it. They both got a life policy. So they must have come to the agreement together. And I think I, I, I did not look up the conflict at the time but we can surely bet that because it was at the height of like oil companies that saudi arabia was a dangerous uh, place to yeah. be at the time and that's yeah. why you can make good yeah. money as a nurse there
1: you know the crazy thing about being a nurse and working there and going there um laurie i don't know if you know this but i was born in saudi arabia really yeah i was born there and i came over here when i was two and my mom okay was a nurse but she was raising me and my older brother there and we left in 1980 but oh, wow. i also know that my mom was like my mom always said there's like you know they don't it was back in the day in Saudi Arabia and they did not treat women like they don't they don't treat women properly now but back then it was like women can't drive they can't go anywhere by themselves there's no independence and she was just like fuck this i'm not staying yeah. here my dad was like let's stay and she was like fuck you I'm going. Yeah. But I can only imagine in 1982 if you're going to go there and be a nurse that it's got to not be the best. I mean, you can make money, but
2: well, you probably have protections too. I mean, who knows? I didn't I I didn't look into the details of it.
1: Yeah, this is only speculation, but yeah. I, I imagine it's not. It's
2: it was pro- uh. it, it was probably very difficult thus the high pay.
0: Right. And they can afford yeah. it with the oil. Mm-hmm. And also, from talking to your father, I know that he, he was also offered a, a harem of wives and at least four houses to
1: stay yeah. in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, so. by by Robin Williams, the genie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that shit never happened. <laughs> <laughs> no
0: and one per, no
2: no one has ever offered his father anything and yet he thinks that the world is on the platter for him. Yeah. And
0: per <laughs> his wedding speech that he gave at your wedding, he <laughs> saved your life. Yeah. Did yeah. he He did. He sure did. He yeah. sure yeah.
1: did. He's yeah. a kook.
0: He's, he's, <laughs> he's a fun guy. Uh I imagine it's sort of like uh uh the comedian how comedians go overseas which is just like you just essentially stay on a base with americans and then you go you travel out you know on on occasion but you're heavily you know guarded or whatever
1: right i I imagine so yeah i imagine so
2: So they each ended up taking out a $100,000 insurance policy on their now shared mortgage. Hmm. I didn't even know that's a thing. (laughs) I didn't know that was a thing either. I didn't know you could like. Well, I mean, you can take out insurance. Yeah, I guess. No, I knew that was a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So so Stephen moves in and Marie never actually ended up going to Saudi Arabia for unknown reasons. Over the next few years, the roommates seemed fine until allegedly Maureen started getting tired of Stephen yelling at her pets, and Stephen was tired of seeing the house a mess. In 1985, Stephen told Maureen he was ready to sell the house, but Maureen didn't seem ready. She must have talked to Jimmy about her problems, and it is alleged that they began formulating a plan to kill Stephen in order to collect his insurance policy and get rid of him.
1: I imagine that she's just like, Jimmy, this guy's really pissing me off. He's always yelling at my dogs, and Jimmy's like, we should fucking kill him.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> she's like, yeah, uh, yeah okay. Uh, <laughs> all,
0: all right. I was going to suggest maybe serving him with a 30-day notice, but no, I guess no, no, murder no, no, sounds
1: no, no, good. No. Yeah, no, let's kill him. Let's kill him.
2: <laughs> all right,
1: Jimmy. Jesus.
2: It should be noted uh on on that note, it should be noted that when Maureen was planning to go to Saudi Arabia Jimmy was really upset because he would at, he would say who will take care of me if Maureen leaves.
1: Oh so sweet. Oh wait a minute.
2: Yeah. She's the only one that gives him money at this point. So <laughs> yeah, that's what shame. I was thinking about. Yeah. Oh, the-
1: sweet murderer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> she told Luna and this is according to Jimmy, she told she told him that she wanted Stephen stabbed because a gun would make too much noise and that she wanted the killing to look like a quote homosexual murder. Which by way they meant a, a hate crime.
0: Oh I thought it was like a <laughs> yeah. rainbow flag would be left at the scene or something.
2: They very clearly kept saying homosexual murder instead of hate crime because they quote it over and over throughout their testimonies. It's really silly. Yeah. Um because she thought the police would not investigate the murder of a homosexual as vigorously as other killings, to make okay. the yeah, to make the murder look like a homosexual killing, she on different occasions suggested once that Luna carve out the word "gay" on Stephen's body with a knife, or another <laughs> on another occasion, cut off Stephen's penis. Oof,
0: that would do it. That would be. I'd be like, oh, just carve gay. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Yeah, if you had uh, a choice as the victim.
1: Yeah, I'd be like, just do that. It's Just kill me first, though.
2: But I say, uh, I think we
0: got a homosexual murder. I found this dead body next to a, a portrait that looks like it's drawn in blood of Cher and Bette Midler singing to each other. You know, when I
1: moved to Van Nuys to solve crimes, I didn't think they would all be homosexual murders. Little did I know that Van Nuys is rampant. With homosexuals. <laughs>
2: With affluent.
1: Affluent. Hip. hip. Gay. Homosexuals.
0: I mean, it, you're right, boss. It's got to be a homosexual murder. They've written gay on his chest. <laughs> With glitter.
1: I love and you, Johnson. cut off his dick. Johnson, give me a kiss. <laughs> and then they just make out.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. Maureen tried three times between late February and early March to lay out the perfect opportunity for Jimmy to attack Stephen at their home. But Jimmy lost his nerve each time. Maureen then suggested he find someone else to help him. So Jimmy asked his friend Marvin Lee, telling him that an organization wanted Stephen dead and that he would pay him $3,000 to, quote, watch his back. Marvin agreed.
0: Oh, okay.
2: So on March 21st, 1985, two men, one black, assumed to be Marvin, Do- uh, Marvin Lee, and one Hispanic, assumed to be Jimmy Luna, knocked on the door of the house, and when Stephen answered, they forced their way in. They ordered Stephen to crawl into the bedroom and lie face down on the bed. Jimmy scratched Elridge on his butt with a knife while yelling homosexual slurs at him. Marvin grabbed a two-foot-long bedpost from another room and hit Stephen with it over the head. In the apparent confusion, Stephen was then able to jump up and run out of the house. Then Jimmy and Marvin took $35 and left.
0: And then Marvin went, I would do anything for love. Oh, I would do anything for love. I would do anything for love. Why are you doing meatloaf? I'll even cut his ass.
2: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that took oh so God. long to get oh my down. God. I was like, why are you doing meatloaf right now? Because
0: <laughs> his name was to... Marvin Lee.
1: Well, Is 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 that meatloaf's real name?
0: Yeah, that's his real name, Marvin Lee, isn't it? Oh,
1: I don't know. Oh, oh. you're you're going to need to find out. Oh, because okay. that's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Is his name Um, Marvin Lee?
0: That's nuts. I thought it was Marvin Lee. Wow. Let me see. Oh, it's just showing me pictures of Meatloaf. Okay, hold on. Meatloaf singer. (laughs) That was a deep cut. Oh, born Marvin Lee a a day. I guess he goes by Michael Lee a day. So, he's Meatloaf.
2: So it is Marvin Lee a day. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) One a day.
0: I tied it together perfectly, guys. You did. Somebody, Somebody listening to this is slow clapping me one guy one one guy
2: he's like well done well done
0: they're definitely crazy
2: police investigated the attack but nothing really came of it after this attack phone records show several calls between Jimmy and Maureen Marvin says that he was present for one of these combos in which they discussed the plan to murder Stephen uh, without fail this time When Maureen on the other line learned that Marvin was listening, she told Jimmy that he better be trustworthy. Otherwise, he'll need to kill that N-word, too. No
1: good, Nick? Oh. Mm -hmm.
2: Jimmy had also enlisted the help of Marvin's brother, Donnelly, to help carry out the murder.
0: You know, I guess I don't know why I'm more disappointed that she's racist than anything else.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Me, too. It's always a thing. Whenever it happens, it's like in a movie or something. Like oh, ah, and it's just like,
2: Ugh, you know, why do you was... have to like sh- you? Because they shoehorn it in. They always shoehorn it in. You could just like you could just say man,
1: yeah. You could yeah. just say
2: you could just say like even if you don't think highly of them, you could just say any other insult, asshole, scumbag, yeah, piece of shit, idiot. But you gotta shoehorn in your racial prejudice. Once so you get that, it's just like come. on man you don't
1: need to do
0: this yeah yeah, yeah. i just imagine what's his face is like we're already murderers
2: we yeah. don't need
1: to be racist i would love it if, yeah i would love it if jimmy was like hey fucking mickey just you know yeah
2: don't yeah. relax
1: <laughs> like, you know when you're a kid and you do something lame and an older person who you respect is like hey don't do that man yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be nice yeah but then again, yeah, these are these are killers, so you know whatever.
0: They're all I made cretin. a I made a dumb joke one time. I forgot what it, I think it was about like going to detention or something. This teacher that I really liked was like, That's not something to laugh at. And I was like, Oh, okay. And I felt really bad and I was like, I wish somebody would have said that. Been like, We don't don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> don't do <that. laughs> Oh man. All right, well, I guess they're they're homophobes, racists, and murderers. God, they better not be sexist, too. I'm just saying.
2: <laughs> On April 28th, 1985, after Maureen told Jimmy that she would leave a front bedroom window open for them to climb into, Marvin, Donnell, and Jimmy snuck into the house around 8.15 p.m. Maureen was home, but Stephen hadn't returned from dinner yet. Maureen ordered Jimmy to cut her on her breast and thigh to make it seem like a robbery in progress when Stephen did come home. And he did. Around 10.40 p.m., Stephen came home and was greeted by Donnell holding a shotgun to his head. The shotgun, by the way, belonged to Maureen. Jimmy then dragged Stephen down the hall and stabbed him a total of 44 times Hmm. until his death. Jimmy then returned to Maureen's bedroom and found her lying on the floor with a facial injury. She had banged her head on the table to make it look more believable, she said. As Jimmy left the bedroom, Marvin heard Maureen remind him to not forget about cutting off his penis. (laughs) Jimmy grabbed Stephen's lifeless body and crudely cut off his penis stuffed it in his pocket, and the three men left.
1: Oh, man. Poor Steven. Like, they attacked him once, mm-hmm. and he got away. He got away. Which is yeah. Incredible. amazing. Amazing. He gets away, and then he goes out and just comes back home. Mm-hmm. Oh, poor guy. I hate Mickey. She's the worst. She's I, hate everybody, I hate everybody involved.
2: According she, to? She's oh, not ahead. great. According to Maureen, though the three men came into the home while she was getting out of the bath, pushed her into the bedroom, cut her, and hit her head in the and hit her in the head, which caused her to pass out when she came to. She called nine one one and was taken to the hospital, where she was told Stephen was dead so who knows and huh. this Inves- investigators. First interrogated Maureen that night, from 2 a.m. to 9 a.m., it is alleged that she did not get. Uh, it is alleged that she did not get her read her rights, nor given a lawyer, or even allowed to change out of her hospital gown during interrogation. They let her go the next day, and Maureen stayed with friends for weeks following the attack. She did not go back to the house. Investigators questioned her again, this time bringing up the phone records between her and Luna. Marine explained that Luna was an incessant caller who did this often and to a lot of people, and that she had called him after the attack to explain what happened, as he claimed he did not know. She described Luna as unstable and untrustworthy, not the type of person I would socialize with, And that she didn't even know if he knew that she had a roommate. So, up to this point, she's not accusing Jimmy. She's just saying she's just not. She's just not a. You know.
1: It sounds like she's trying to play it safe. She's like, he's not the fucking best dude in the world, but he didn't know about this stuff. Yeah. She's trying to be smart.
0: Yeah. She's trying to distance herself too from the situation. Yes.
2: The investigators also noted that the bath water was too warm for the sequence of events Maureen had alleged. Given the span of time between the attack and her coming to, the water should have been pretty cold by the time investigators arrived. But when they did arrive, the water was still at best lukewarm, if not basically warm, meaning it had been drawn not too long ago.
1: That is the work of a good detective. That's a good detective. That's a good yes. detective. That's and a, it wasn't that's...
2: actually a detective. It was um uh it wasn't a coroner, but it, it can It was one of the techs. One of the they techs. had to
0: stick their hand in the water too, which I don't feel, feel like. Wow. I'd be like, Ugh. no, thank you. I, quit. I hope
2: I hope that
1: tech did that, and then some of the cop was just like,
0: you should take the fucking detective's
1: exam,
2: dude, because that is some Columbo shit. Yeah, yeah, that's really that is good.
1: fucking awesome, dude. Good job.
2: Marvin Lee had been arrested on an unrelated charge. Surprise, surprise. And during interrogations, gave up the crime and name of Jimmy Luna as Stevens' murderer.
1: Like a bat out of hell. Mm-mm. That's for you, Lori. Thank
2: Ji- you. <laughs> Jimmy was then arrested on May 30th, 1985. He was held for 72 hours and then released and then arrested again on July 2nd, 1985. Now, we don't know exactly why, but I can assume that it was because when he was initially arrested, they didn't have any hard evidence to mm-hmm. hold him. So they only held him the 72 hours, then had to let him go and then found some harder evidence on July 2nd.
0: That really kind of makes the whole... You know, like, a, a lot of cop shows will have the timer of, like, we got 72 hours, and then we got to let him go, so we got to find some evidence. And it's just like, or you could just let him go and then pick him up later. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, they also hope that in that time, um, well, first of all, they won't run off if they know that they're suspects. Yeah. And second, that maybe they'll just crack for whatever reason.
0: I guess that's true. I guess Jimmy probably should have, you know, hitched a ride somewhere or something he probably was just like whatever
2: (laughs) yeah he seems like not a very smart guy
0: no he got secondhand
2: syphilis (laughs) (laughs) police arrested maureen a month later in august 1985 and they both awaited trial her lawyer joe ingber citing other cases he was busy with ended up filing 27 continuances for the trial. That meant that the trial was delayed for four years Jeez. while they both remained in custody. As you guys know, that every every person has a right to a speedy trial, so a defendant has to sign off on these continuances as well. Now, yeah. it can be said that Joe Ingber, as her lawyer, just didn't give her an option and said you know it's either this or i'm not ready for your case but yeah. who knows she either way she signed off on it in 1989 as trial finally approached jimmy finally named maureen as the mastermind behind the crime as part of a plea bargain to get life instead of the death penalty
1: hmm.
2: when he hmm. explained her motives and the, when he explained her motives and the police asked exactly what was a homosexual murder and if it was different from a heterosexual murder, Jimmy didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> what made the murder homosexual?
0: I mean, um, to be honest with you, there's not much difference. Like, there is no, t- no <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. That- I would love to see him think about it. He's just like, um, like, um, she... He was, um... The butt?
2: Yeah, the yeah. butt. Like, I hit him in the butt. The butt. <laughs> <laughs> Cops are just, like, laughing at Cops him through the like, two-way mirror. Yeah, they're just like, <laughs> we
1: gotta record this for the Christmas party. This is nuts! Yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> bring.
0: Let's bring in the sergeant. Sarge, come in here. Listen, listen <laughs> to what he has to say. Sarge,
1: <laughs> ask him the difference between a homosexual and a heterosexual murder.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, um, uh, I touched his penis, that. and
2: I guess I'm gay now. <laughs> <I don't> no. <know. laughs> I guess I got syphilis from him. Oh. <laughs> Marvin and Donnelly, uh, for their part, also agreed to testify against Maureen and were granted complete immunity for their part in the murder. What? Complete, what? complete immunity.
1: What? Jeez. Wow. Wow. So, yes.
2: Wow. <laughs> I can't believe I you, I, I, you don't
1: Wow. <laughs> That's a voice we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he just can't get the sentences out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Never. He's just shocked by it. appalled.
0: This is I, I you don't I can't you, Wow. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> So and the, Marvin Marvin Lee was like, hot patootie, bless my soul. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're not going
2: to anyway. let this go. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, oh, was that another meatloaf? Recipe? It was. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Okay. <laughs> the trial was a big deal as the prosecution sought the death penalty, which had only recently been reinstated in California in 1977. If oh. convicted maureen would be the second woman on california's death row since the reinstatement she would be following cynthia kaufman who had been sentenced to death after killing two women Mm. huh so we'll talk about her some other time i guess yeah yeah Yeah. cynthia we're coming we're coming for (laughs) you during the trial the defense tried to showcase maureen's model behavior both before prison and during prison, because she, remember she's been in custody for four years. So, oh, that's during right. yes, during that time she was a model prisoner. That is such. It's the thing. John Wayne Gacy was a model prisoner who started like the prisoner student body government in prison.
1: Yeah, that but you make, yeah. you, know, you did, did that
0: shit already. Yeah,
2: you fucking. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I get okay. Go be a, a good kid over there. Whatever. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Bullshit, man. That's where you're supposed to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Prison is supposed, you're supposed to be like, all right, I'm going to get my shit together. I'm going to try my best to be a better person.
2: Well, that's true.
0: You're not supposed to be
2: like, all right, where's the syphilis? They talked about how she even used her nursing skills to save a lady from choking once.
0: Well, they, what they didn't mention was that she caused the choking. So.
2: Well, I was also going to say, it's like, if you take a CPR course, you should probably be able to save somebody from choking because it's the Heimlich. Yeah. But uh, they make it seem like she was like the best and it was a superhero for saving her.
1: Please. Yeah.
2: Ugh. Um, They also showcased her lack of a previous criminal record. In turn, ADA Catherine Mader for the prosecution skewered McDermott, comparing her to, quote, a Nazi working in the crematorium by day and listening to Mozart by night. Well, okay. (laughs) Which meant she was, which she said meant she was capable of showing a refined sensitivity in some activities while demonstrating barbaric cruelty in others.
1: Yeah, that's, the barbaric cruelty is the thing that we need to really concern ourselves with. You know?
2: Yeah. It's insane. But that's what she's saying. She's comparing her to her Nazis. Absolutely. Absolutely. She also called her, among other things, a mutation of a human being, a wolf in sheep's clothing, a traitor, Mm. a person who stalked people like animals, and someone who had resigned from the human race.
1: Those are all pretty fucking awesome insults. Those are like
2: cutting. Cutting.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then when she lost steam, she just said she was a smelly, duty pants. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Maureen did not take the stand for her trial. She did talk to the public, though, and made sure to call ADA Mater a power-hungry woman with so little integrity. She Mm -hmm. also told the judge that, quote, I want you to know that I have no fear of dying. However, I wish to not die in vain. In reference to the sling of insults Mater had conjured up for the jury. Fuck you. On March 2nd, 1990, Maureen was found guilty of one count of attempted murder with special circumstance allegations that the murder was carried out for financial gain and by means of lying in wait. McDermott was sentenced to death in Los Angeles County on June 8th, 1990. Hmm. But... Hmm? Is she guilty? A series of appeals that started in 2002 on behalf of Maureen cited a number of conflicts of interest that affected the case. Firstly, Maureen's new lawyers alleged that her former public defender, Joe Ingber, had taken personal payments from Maureen's friends and family and lied Mm. about it to the courts in order to, to receive more money from the system too. On top of that, as mentioned, he had filed 27 continuances and offered zero counsel to McDermott during court proceedings. Hmm. Hmm. Even worse, it was alleged that Joe Ingber had a relationship with Jimmy Luna during the course of the trial, which is a big no-no for the defense. He was a defender for Jimmy's lover and bunkmate, Ryan Howard. And Jimmy had repeatedly tried to get him to be his lawyer. While Joe, during the appeals, admitted to speaking to Jimmy, he denied any conversations regarding the trial of Maureen. That was number one.
1: Was Jimmy always gay or was he just gay in prison?
2: Uh, We don't. uh, It seems like he was bi because there's also an account of him beating up an ex-girlfriend. Okay. And uh, who knows? The, hmm. ap- the appeals also alleged Catherine Mater was racist. The ADA.
0: <laughs> oh, I thought they were talking about Mickey. I was going to be like, yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> the, prose- <laughs>
2: the prosecution had denied the chance for any African Americans on the jury. For her hmm. part, Mader said that because of the racist remarks Maureen made during the phone calls, she actually would have preferred to have them represented on the jury. But during selection, she was the one that used all her, I forget what they're called, but basically all her vetoes. She was the one who barred eight African-Americans from the final jury. Hmm. Weird. It was also noted, curiously, that during bargaining... When Jimmy asked her why she didn't didn't try to strike a deal with McDermott too, she said, hey, Mickey, you come to my side? We'll get the two black guys and the Mexican. Us white people will walk down the primrose path. Does that sound right to you? That's not right. Okay. Which I find interesting.
0: Very interesting. (laughs) Yeah. What? Now, I have a question, and I don't know what you guys think. Do you think maybe she was playing into her Mickey's racism or do you think she
2: herself was racist? It's I don't think it has anything to do with Mickey's racism because. It was such a small part of it, and, you know, the victim was not uh, like the victim, the victim was Caucasian. So I don't think it would have helped her in any way to play in the Mickey's racism because she was the prosecution. So if they did have, like she said, if they did have African-Americans on the jury, it would only help her side, not Mickey's side.
1: It's very, very questionable.
2: It's very strange. It keeps going. She okay. also lied about Jimmy not having a violent past. She tried to present it to the judge as he had did not have a violent past. Oh, he she knew she also knew that Inger already had talked to Jimmy Luna and kept it a secret. She knew that Luna had a mental illness, but did like diminished that during the trial. And the only corroborating evidence she had was the circumstantial evidence of phone records, not any physical evidence, which she even admitted was flimsy at best, if left without Jimmy's testimony. Oh, jeez. Perhaps she was just looking for a win, especially in such a notable case, and didn't care what happened. Yeah, maybe. Because, Mater went on to become the first inspector general for the LAPD, a position created in response to internal conduct reports following the beating of Rodney King. Wow but then she was forced to resign amidst amidst accusations that she was incompetent, unprofessional, and untrustworthy. The police commission disliked her, quote, clumsy style as well as the quality of her work. They said that her investigative style was not adequate, that she would start out with a conclusion and then attempt to find facts to meet that conclusion. Resulting in the misinterpretation of facts and ignoring of facts, and a reckless abuse of innocent people's reputations. Upon her resignation, Mader said that the department was seeking to thwart her independence in monitoring it.
1: Part of me thinks that the LAPD at that time was so questionable in the first place that if they had somebody who was going outside of their means of doing things the wrong way, that they would try and cast doubts on that person publicly.
2: And she was a woman.
1: And she was a woman.
2: In the position of power.
1: Exactly. So that makes me think that maybe she was in fact on the up and up, maybe. But some of this stuff is just very questionable. But at the same time, maybe she, I don't know, man.
0: Yeah. I mean, it sounds suspect, but then again, I could see what you're saying um you know i i have watched the uh show tommy which is about the woman the first female uh chief uh in uh, LAPD and uh it's very much like this it's very much like painting her like a terrible mm. not being able to work and stuff like that right uh don't check it out it's an awful show but i have watched <laughs> it <laughs> Falco plays Tommy, plays a lesbian, a female lesbian who's the first chief of police in LAPD. Ooh, a female mm-hmm. lesbian.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mader went on to become an L.A. Superior Court judge for the rest of her career until she retired in January in January of this year. Jimmy, in 1994, received a psych evaluation, which he did not receive during any part of the trial, and He was found to have severe dissociative disorder, which would have been, no. which <laughs> which would have been a huge help in Maureen's case, because yeah. it it proved it proved what was already known that he was a compulsive liar, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, among
2: other things, and that he could have been delusional to the point of Maureen simply talking to him about her problems with Stephen. And like Cass joked around, he came to the conclusion immediately of like, we should kill him. Right. Either with or without her knowing. And then went about it himself. It could have been that way. Who knows? Hmm. You know, it's kind of like when you were like, uh, uh, maybe we should do a live show.
0: And then I was like, great. And then I emailed Alyssa like by myself. And then like, we both were like, oh, yeah, we cut. We came up with it's Wednesdays at 8 p.m. And. Great, we did, and you're and you were like, uh, I just said maybe we should do a live show. <laughs> so it's like it's kind of like that, but with murder. Tune, in, um,
2: tune into the live yeah. show that now we're forced to do because Lori made a rash decision every second Wednesday of the month on the Pack Theater's Twitch channel. Check it out. Check it out. Be there. Maureen Mickey McDermott sits waiting on death row for what is now thirty years two months. Jeez and 10 days
1: damn death row that means you're by yourself 23 hours a day there was
2: actually an article that came out i don't know if the conditions are still the same for her but there was an an article that came out in 93 i believe um that showcased the terrible conditions that specifically she was held in because she was the only woman on death row in her prison at the time so there was not she was in her cell 23 hours a day mm-hmm. and she was only allowed out once once you know for one hour to exercise on a piece of blacktop and that notably they interviewed jo- joe ingber about it and he said even though people are relieved that she has been put away for her crimes it is no reason to charge to to treat her as a caged animal which Maureen, when asked about it, said that is the first time that she completely understood that Joe Ingber always thought she was guilty. Hmm. And that's why she he didn't help her. Oh. Wow. I mean, I, I go back and
0: forth. I don't know what your guys' opinion is on it. But part of me is like, good, she was involved in the murder of a man. A man lost his life because of her. But then part of me is like... I mean, spending every day by yourself has got to be its own torture. She, so, yeah
2: no, well, she deserves it. If she did it, she deserves it because and I think she she was the mastermind because I don't think that Jimmy, being as dumb as he seems, would understand a what an insurance policy is
0: mm-hmm. and, nor would he care I think. N- yeah,
2: and he wouldn't he probably wouldn't know about it. And wouldn't wouldn't just assume that she would give him half, fifty thousand dollars is what he. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier. Yeah, you did. you did. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think I think you're right. I think here's the thing. I think honestly, you know, I think he mostly focuses in the here and now. You know, you get me money, and I can get money for you now, or you do this. And I think because she had always given him money and always done stuff for him i think that's why he was willing to sort of do something for her for a future payment but i honestly think if somebody had come up to him on the street and said oh do this and i'll give you fifty thousand dollars in like six months you've been like "Fuck you i don't know
2: yeah i'm not gonna do that six months so, is too long
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you tried to explain i mean honestly i i was like my aunt is trying to explain you know, I don't know. She's been doing some weird end of life stuff where I'm just like, do I need to start looking into things for you? Where she's like, if anything happens to me, there's a, a folder with all of my papers and it has my life insurance policy. And I'm like, I don't want to know. You're gonna live forever shut up
2: yeah that's how i am with my mom and we really shouldn't be we should we should yeah. probably pay attention to that stuff yeah i'm, I'm like sure. La, 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 la. and yeah.
0: sure enough like you know if anything happens i'd be like well she told me but i wasn't listening
2: i was not listening A- actively not listening yeah <laughs> I, in
0: fact i told her to stop telling me
2: um
0: <laughs> yeah no my my aunt was like something about her more her life insurance tied into her mortgage and that blah blah, blah. and i was like i i know n- I don't understand a God goddamn thing you said. <laughs> no understanding of what's happening. So yeah, I doubt that Jimmy understood it either.
2: You should show her this case and ask her what she thinks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then just watch the fear melt over her face.
0: <laughs> She'll well, love it. I'll yeah. I'll definitely ask her what she thinks is a homosexual murder. <laughs> yeah.
2: All right, guys. Well, that is the story of Murder, Marine, Mickey McDermott. Thank you
0: so much, Maria. Thank you for bringing us this case. This was really fun. Yeah. This
1: case had everything. Murder, McDermott, Mickey, meatloaf.
2: Meatloaf. Lots of meatloaf. (laughs) And
1: mad syphilis.
2: (laughs) Oh, so
0: much syphilis. I think we got syphilis from listening. Uh, Thank you guys so much. If If you could follow us on Instagram, at Bloody Podcast, and if you're listening to this where there's a place to review, if you could review us, please, we really need the reviews, five stars. If you put five stars and say something, I will read it on the show. And uh, if you could follow us uh, or um, go to our Patreon, patreoncom slash podcast. we have a bunch of different tiers with different perks. Please check us out. And yeah, as I mentioned earlier, check out our great, wonderful, totally we're always ready for it stop putting uh, stop
2: putting it down
0: I'm, not, I'm kidding it's a very <laughs> fun show we do a lot of fun games and it's it's it within the theme of the podcast but it's different because we do a lot of fun visual things um, it's the second Wednesday of every month at the pack on the pack twitch and pack theater twitch and it is at 8 p.m second Wednesday of every month
2: and um, if you are so privy I don't know if that's a thing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Check out, check
2: out, shut up. Check out the, (laughs) check out the discord that we have. Uh, We have one of our fans was kind enough to like put this whole discord thing together. And I've learned how to navigate it now. And it's super fun. And we'll pop in Uh, right now. Somebody taught me what randonauticking was because of the couple that was found by TikTokers who were randonauticking. Uh, they were Ooh. found, yeah. They were found dead in the suitcase, and they were killed oh. killed by their landlord. But I didn't. Oh. But the most important question to me was, what is random Yeah, I
0: mean that's the thing that you need to look into. <laughs>
2: um,
0: uh, and you can access the Discord by being a Patreon subscriber. If you're a Patreon subscriber, you get access to our Discord. So yeah.
2: Oh okay. Check that out. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Um, Cash, is there anything that you want to plug? Um, no, no, no I'm good. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well stay safe out there, you guys. Wear a mask. Uh and if you don't believe in masks, then please don't come near us. And just wash your hands. Yeah. Wash
0: your hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wash your face.
2: <laughs>
0: wash your privates. Just yeah. wash. Wash yourselves. Wash.
2: Often. But, all right. Okay. Bye babies. Bye. Bye. Bye.